are women climbing the corporate ladder within our supply chain industry. Consumers love the convenience of curbside pickup, but for retailers, not so much. And a tough road ahead for transportation markets. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Fortnup. Fortnup partners with the world's leading brands to transform their distribution operations to keep pace with digital disruption and growth objectives. Known worldwide as the distribution experts, Fortnup designs and delivers intelligent solutions powered by their proprietary software to optimize fast, accurate, and cost-effective order fulfillment. For more information, visit Fortna.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin, the supply chain has traditionally been an industry with mostly male executives. Are women making inroads into the C-suite? Here to address that question is Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thanks, Dave. Our guest today is Dana Stippler, a Vice President and Analyst with the Gartner Supply Chain Practice. Dana is here to talk about Gartner's 2020 Women in Supply Chain Survey. So welcome, Dana. Thanks, Victoria. I'm glad to be here with you. We're glad to have you. Um, So Gartner recently published its 2020 Women in Supply Chain Survey. And I was just hoping you could tell us a little bit about the survey, sort of how long Gartner has been conducting it, and really what's the ultimate goal of the research. Sure. So this year, in fact, was the five-year anniversary of the survey. So it's the fifth year that we've published it. And if I if I go back to the, the beginning of the project, it really happened because Gartner clients uh, across industry, across different types of supply chain organizations were really impatient with their diversity and inclusion progress especially the the gender focus. So they really wanted to see more women coming into the supply chain profession and they really wanted to do a better job of progressing them into leadership positions. So uh, that noise got louder and louder. We decided to do a formal project and the goals associated with the project were really to establish a baseline for representation so that we would have something to look at and measure our progress against. And then also the second mission and focus of the, the project has been to look in more detail at what companies are doing that's really improving representation of women in supply chain and women in supply chain leadership. So can we can we shine a light on best practice and the right kinds of projects and approaches that really seem to work? So um, in looking at the survey um, or looking at the summary as I did, it showed that 17% of chief supply chain officers are women, which I think was an increase of 6% over last year and the highest rate since you've been doing the survey. I wanted to sort of see if you could sort of assess the progress that women are making in the industry and how strong a sign is that and, and what were some of the other key findings this year? Sure. So when we look at that top supply chain job and we look at that 17%, it it is certainly a sign of of progress. And um, one of the things that we've noticed when we look at women in business leadership, not just supply chain leadership, is that that um, that representation at the top spot has really has good trickle down effects over time. So um, what we've seen over the last five years is 
especially in a subset of companies and supply chain organizations that I'll talk about just a lot of progress in either building that pipeline into that senior job or sometimes hiring laterally to leapfrog into a place where you have more women in, um, in senior leadership. So some other findings that are kind of that are related to this chief supply chain officer finding are uh, the superior performance of the consumer retail sector and the supply chain organizations in that sector. Um, we look at their relative representation and strength of pipeline, and they're much stronger than other um, than other sectors. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Another finding also in the research is that those consumer retail supply chain organizations or are more likely to have specific goals and objectives that appear on management scorecards. They're more likely to uh, focus on recruiting and integrated pipelining initiatives that, that tend to have greater impacts. A couple of other findings that we had this year were that um, we've kicked over into a clear majority of supply chain organizations having stated objectives in terms of increasing the representation of women in supply chain leadership. 63 percent in 2020 of the respondents said that they have those objectives. I would contrast that to when we started where it was only it was only one in three respondents said they had formal goals and objectives. Today, we're at almost two out of three responding supply chain organizations telling us that they're that they're focused on this specifically and that it's on management scorecards. So you mentioned, you know, sort of getting women through the pipeline and and as you say, you know, they're not um, in some sectors. It's you know, it's, it's working better than others. You mentioned retail. Um, what can organizations do to kind of consistently sort of get women through the pipeline to top positions? Are there specific things that you recommend they can do? Yes. So yeah, just to build on the, the, the couple of initiatives that I referred to. So integrated pipelining is, kind of, is, a, is really a holistic set of initiatives that allows you to build that robust pipeline. So it includes a number of different processes and practices. It includes recruiting, development of leaders, including sponsorship and active rotation. For them experience wise it also includes succession planning and performance management processes that have been addressed to uh, to strip out unconscious bias for example so that's integrated pipelining a really holistic approach and initiative if you wanted to talk about a more tactical approach or project that yields good short to medium term benefits recruiting is an excellent place to start because there's been so much science and formal process discipline applied to the recruiting process, such as making sure that you have diverse and inclusive slates, making sure that your interview committee is also inclusive and diverse, that really make a difference. That if you were if you were to look at what is one more tactical project where I could I could realize benefits in the nearer term, it would probably be recruiting. And ultimately when we've looked at this community over time of responding companies and supply chain organizations, you can see that they start to bake in a lot of these approaches and um, 
addressing of bias and so forth into all these decision forums and processes. Over time, they become baked in rather than the, the so-called special diversity project. So I think that's where we're really aiming and we're starting to see some supply chain organizations get to that place where this is not a special project. It's the way they develop and progress talent. Thank you. Um, I also wanted to ask um, just about the effect of the COVID-19 pandemic. We've noticed that it's really shined a light on the important role the supply chain plays in our everyday lives. And I wanted to know if you could just sort of quickly address what effect, if any, that might have on women's roles and gender equality in the supply chain, maybe in terms of, you know, attracting more women to the field and recruiting and that kind of thing. Right. I think you know, supply chain has gotten some very, some very good and some very bad advertising in the, in the COVID age. But the, you know, the upshot of that is that everyone realizes how important supply chain is to them personally. And so I think about, you know, what we've experienced personally in the consumer value chain, what we'll experience personally in the healthcare value chain. And I think that that really already has shown a light on the importance and influence of, of supply chain. So I think we'll attract more women and men into this profession that will just, that will continue to, to rise in all of the, the, the university majors that are declared and the advanced degrees that people are taking. In fact, I just heard from one of our, the university programs that we know that their master's level degree program, which is virtual, has more applicants than ever. So we're already seeing some of that, some of that effect. Um, one other thing on the, the COVID uh, influence on women in businesses and women in supply chain is we are concerned about some of the short-term effects of people trying to be productive working from home or women or people really in frontline positions that where they have also domestic um, care and schooling responsibilities. I think we're, we're concerned that there may be some near-term impacts on uh, productivity and potential that are especially experienced by, by women that we're trying to track and mitigate. But medium to long-term, we're, op we're optimistic because um, we're injecting more flexibility in work time and workplace, which should make supply chain a more attractive profession for everyone, in, including women. Yes, thank you. There, is, there are so many aspects to this and, and it's all changing. And, and I, I really appreciate that perspective for sure, especially working from home as I am now. <laughs> um, are there any other um, key findings or really important issues you wanted to point out? Yes, um, maybe save the best for last. So it's really important that male colleagues and leaders are involved in these projects and initiatives. And so we have really strong data showing a correlation between the involvement of men in these projects and actual progress being made. So 71% of initiatives that include men report progress um, especially at the top ranks, getting that top job. And I would just add, we talked about consumer retail being really strong. The consumer retail supply chain organizations have a much higher propensity to involve men in their initiatives. So that I think is the, just makes a really strong case for 
women and men to work together to go after these goals. Absolutely. Thank you. So Gartner published a report based on the survey, and I believe you're offering a webinar on the topic as well. Can you tell our listeners how they can access those aspects of the study? Yes. So if you go and look for Gartner webinars, and particularly the session that's called 2020 Supply Chain Survey Showcases Women's Progress in C-Suite, you'll be on a page where you can fill in your details and listen to that webinar and access the accompanying uh, PowerPoint free of charge. Great, thank you. And I should also note to our listeners in the podcast notes on most of your platforms, you should be able to get a link directly to that as well. So thank you, Dana, again for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you, Victoria. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Dana and Victoria. Now let's turn to some other supply chain news from the week. Ben, you reported that while curbside pickup has been extremely popular with consumers during the pandemic, it puts a lot of stress on retailers. Can you share why? That's right, Dave. Uh, many retailers have seen steep increases in the volume of fulfillment they're doing from the store as opposed to from the distribution center uh, because consumers are driving hot demand uh, for options like buy online, pick up at curbside or buy online, pick up in store. Uh, the, that's had happened during the pandemic. Uh, and, and the reason is that buyers uh, see those practices of shopping as ways to minimize their health risk while still getting products in their hands very fast. But there's a downside, uh, which is that from the retailer's point of view, those services put enormous pressure on a company's picking, packing, shipping, and pickup processes. Uh, that's according to Radial, which is a third-party logistics provider in Pennsylvania. Uh, they're one of the country's top 40 or 50 biggest 3PLs by revenue. I spoke to them during the week, and uh, they said that despite those challenges, uh, curbside pickup and in-store pickup are probably here to stay even after the pandemic effects begin to fade away, uh, and they will be part of what people are calling the next normal uh, as we head into a new range of, uh, of business operations. Ben, did Radio give any idea about how retailers can do that effectively? They did, Dave. Uh, the, the goal here is for retailers to improve their omni-channel operations across both their digital and their physical footprints. And uh, the radio says that uh, one of the most important tools uh, for a company that's trying to do that is order management software. Uh, that's because it can help a, a retailer improve their inventory visibility. Uh, you have to know exactly where your goods are uh, before you can promise a consumer that they can pick them up at a specific store at a specific time. Uh, I spoke with Prashant Bhatia, who is an executive at Radio. Uh, as an interesting side note here, uh, he said that he had been hired uh, at the company just eight weeks before, but he has yet to meet a sole uh, person in person from Radial uh, because that everything had been done uh, remotely because of uh, the, the, the sort of Zoom calls and, and uh, the, the social distancing that, that uh, everybody is following during the pandemic. Uh, but Prashant said that uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, as we've seen, uh, has dramatically changed consumer shopping behavior. Uh, so retailers now need to be flexible enough to handle changes uh, like stores reopening on different schedules uh, because of pandemic restrictions or fulfillment centers opening and closing on different days uh, as infections might happen. However, it's a hard mountain to climb, but if they can achieve that kind of flexibility, uh, retailers can offer uh, a really wide array of services that can keep customers coming back. Um, he gave some examples. Some changes in the marketplace recently are um, some consumer packaged goods manufacturers are shipping directly to shoppers instead of selling just through stores. Uh, some retailers are marketing private label goods. Um, some brands are performing um, ship from store fulfillment, 
uh, to, to use the inventory that's located close to buyer's home. Uh, so th there are a lot of things that stores can do if they can get there. Uh, so we, we should see some big changes coming up uh, in the coming years. And these were trends that we've been tracking for some time, but it, the pandemic has really accelerated uh, them to, to the point that they're being done a lot sooner than we've really expected. That, that's exactly right. Yep. Another thing that, uh, that, that Prashant said was that, uh, that Radial has seen uh, some holiday peak level volumes um, already uh, during these summer months, uh, just because of real spikes in, uh, in, in from the pandemic. And so that, it's that kind of market pressure that can uh, accelerate these trends. Thank you, Ben. Some new numbers are also out showing additional impacts on the pandemic on supply chains. And Victoria, you reported this week that it looks like a tough road ahead for transportation markets. What can we expect for the coming months? Yes, thanks, Dave. Um, so we noticed there's quite a bit of research going on in the transportation market concerning, as you say, the effect of the coronavirus pandemic on the industry. Um, and the industry had been experiencing some pressures before the pandemic and the crisis has really caused slowdowns across all modes. And it's interesting, uh, this is happening um, despite transportation companies remaining busy keeping supply chains running. So we looked at a handful of studies published recently really in the last week and found you know, a couple of interesting statistics that I thought I'd share. So a first study from Deloitte examined, it examined the broad transportation market and it showed that by the end of this year, they said up to 45% of the transportation sector's operating profits could erode, just given what's happened uh, since March. And another study on the freight and logistics market, this one was by uh, McKinsey and Company, estimates that the recovery time from the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic will be three to five years. Now that will vary based on transportation mode and commodity, but just shows that uh, there's a, a little bit of a rough road ahead. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, what can transportation providers do to address some of those challenges? Well, uh, quite a bit, actually. So the researchers point to the resilience of the transportation market and its vital role in the supply chain as important factors. And, you know, as I said, you know, all these companies have you know, been kept busy during uh, keeping things going during the pandemic. But they also pointed to some changes companies can make as well. So one is to reorient their uh, commercial models toward what they call pockets of growth that will be stronger over the next few years. An example is, you know, agriculture and food and pharmaceuticals they anticipate will recover faster than others. Um, another is to invest in um, new digital capabilities. And that um, is a really important point, many of the research organizations say. Um, and actually another study, also released in the last couple of days by Boston-based Lux Research, showed that the transportation industry and in their estimation is, is in general is in its infancy when it comes to what they call uh, digital transformation, which is, you know, you applying new technologies across your business. Um, and they say applying technology tools can really help with some of the industry's main uh, what they call pain points. One example um, is visibility, you know, having visibility across your transportation network. And they, they pointed to Technologies such as asset tracking to monitor goods in real time is, is one area where companies can really uh, make a big difference. So as we've seen, you know, over the last, you know, many years, actually, technology continues to be, uh, you know, a key uh, weapon in a company's arsenal to fighting these challenges, I guess. Yes, it, it certainly seems so. And we'll uh, continue to report on those as, as uh, developments happen within the transportation space. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. Go there to check it all out. Thank you, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. And again, our thanks to Dana Stifler of Gartner for being with us today. We encourage your feedback on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. 
And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Fortna. Fortna partners with the world's top brands to transform distribution operations into competitive advantage. Expertise includes distribution strategy, DC operations, micro-fulfillment, automation, and intelligent software. Distribution solutions designed today for tomorrow's challenges. Learn more about the distribution experts at Fortna.com. We encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters on Apple, Google, Spotify, Sticker, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Logistics Matters to find us. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when our guest will be Zach Rogers of Colorado State University. He will talk about what's behind the Logistics Managers Index and why it's important to measuring the health of the industry. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.